Um, when I was a teenager, I think I had only three dimensions for which I compared myself. So first dimension would be the mirror, what I saw in the mirror every day. The second would be my peer group, how they kind of responded to me or how we interacted with one another and I compared everything with them, every single thing. And then there was maybe one more. I was trying, I was really trying to think, did I actually compare myself? But I, I did to characters on TV. But keep in mind, that meant I had to watch the TV live. Or maybe if I could get the VHS to record it at exactly this, the right time. But it, it, was, it, was, it was kind of an effort to have to compare myself to people on the TV. And when I think about my boys and all of today's families, they have limitless comparisons. First of all, they've got, in one minute, they can consider and compare themselves to their 50 friends that they have on social media, and then in the next minute, to 50 strangers. So 100 comparisons in two minutes. Being accepted has always been part of the human story, does not matter our age. I got to experience this moving here without little children and having to kind of get into a community. I wasn't worried about the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church community, but this community without those classroom meetups and play dates. So being accepted has always been part of the human story, but with unlimited access to people and to content and to social media. The modern family, it faces many giants that were different than even when my boys were little and certainly for many of all of us in this room. And what it's doing is it is negatively impacting spiritual and mental well-being. And so the modern family has a problem. It has giants that it is facing. This is just one example, just the amount of information that our families are exposed to. This is just one example of a modern day giant. And so what I want you to consider, because every family is different, I want you to consider what is the giant that you and your family are facing right now? What are you up against? Is it mental illness? Is it addiction, financial trouble? Is it a new diagnosis or a diagnosis that just continues to linger year after year? Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's marriage problems for you or one of your children. I want you to consider what is the giant you and your family are facing right now. And then this morning, we're gonna consider how are you battling it? How are you coming up against that giant? Because as followers of Jesus, we have been equipped with some unique and God-given tools to face the modern-day giants. To help us flesh that out, we are actually going to look at how David faced the giant Goliath. And I know it's like such a common story that you've if you've been coming to church, you've, you've heard more sermons on this than anything else. You've probably seen musicals about it, and people talk about it in the secular world as well. 
But as we prepare to hear this word, let us first pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this day, this gorgeous weekend of weather that we have had. And we ask that as we are here, that we in our very bodies, minds, and spirits would be present, that all of the distractions and to-do lists and worries and anxieties, that they would fall by the wayside and that we would be here to worship you, that we would be before you, O holy God. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Before we read our text for today, I want to make, remind us of a few important things that I, as I was preparing for the sermon, I had to be reminded of as well. And so I figured it was very, that some things really popped out to me about David that I had forgotten. We know he's a shepherd. We, we knew that David was a shepherd. And even when he faces the giant Goliath, we're told that he brings his staff and he brings his rocks with him. But what I had failed to remember was that David was also this very gifted musician. He played this thing that was called the lyre, which is kind of like a, a small harp that sits on your lap. People knew that David could play this thing. He, he was known for it in the area around Bethlehem because there's this time when King Saul we're told that he is afflicted with this, this awful spirit of anxiety. It would cripple him. It paralyzed him. He could not move. And his servant said, we know of someone who plays music that we think can soothe you. And so David came before King Saul, took his, his little lyre, and he played it. And this is what it says. Saul favored David so much that he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Shepherd, musician, armor bearer. An armor bearer is the personal assistant to a champion warrior. It's typically much more than just carrying the weapons of the person for which you are bearing their arms. The armor bearer was responsible to follow the fighter he served and to kill any of the enemy that his champion had disabled. David had been readied for this battle. What the story makes sure we get before we even get to our scripture today is that David has many gifts. And these gifts, they have been honed just by his life experiences. As a shepherd, he had to fight off dangerous animals. As a musician, he soothed the anxiety of those around him. Like a caddy in golf, watching for common mistakes and unseen advantage points, David, as an armor bearer, knew the weak spots of people in battle. So I want you to consider as we are facing our giant, what are your gifts and talents that have just come from your life experiences? Not necessarily the ones that you got trained to do in college, but because of what life has brought to you, the animals, the dangerous things that you and your family have had to go through and the resilience that you have built up, the hope the perseverance, every single thing that you have gone through, whether it was fending off a dangerous animal or it was climbing to the top of a mountain, every single one of those things, God 
wants to use for good. So David's life has prepared him for the giant before him. And yet all around him are people telling him he's doing the wrong thing. When he shows up to the battlefield, his brother says to him, why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be back watching the sheep? Saul tells him there is no way you could go up before that giant. You are just a boy. And so wanting to provide this sense of security for David, who we now know, we, he loved David. He was the only one that could soothe the anxiety, the torture that he experienced. Listen to what happens. We're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 38. Thanks for helping. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. And so David removed them. And then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi, which just means the river, and he put them in the shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. We're going to stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We must face the giants in our lives. One of the first things that we learn from what David did when he stepped onto that battlefield is that he actually chose to face Goliath and not turn away. David knew that even though he could compartmentalize, he could act like the giant was not there, he chose to face it. And what I see over and over in families today, in my own as well, is that we ignore the giant that is standing right before us. We will work on our marriage when the kids get out of the house. I will talk to mom and dad about assisted living one day. I will go and see a therapist when life is less busy. And I know we all know this, but we need to be reminded today, ignoring the giant does not make it go away. In fact, it adds the level of stress because we know we should be doing something about the giant that stands before us. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus tells people, face your giant. Consider the woman at the well in Samaria. She comes up to him and he says to her, go call your husband. And she replies, I have no husband. It's like she's, she's turning her back on the giant. And Jesus says, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one that you are living with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Face the giant, woman. When Jesus meets the rich young ruler, he asked, the rich young ruler asks him, what must I do to gain eternal life? And he tells him all these things that he needs to do. And then he names the giant right before him. And he says, go and sell your possessions, all of them. And then give that money to the poor. And what does the young man do? It says that he hangs his head and he leaves grieving, not willing to face the giant. 
we need to go ahead and face the giants in our lives. And this is the good news. When we do, no heavy armor is needed. David knew that. In order to most effectively face Goliath, God had already equipped him with everything that he needed because he had trained. He had been faithful to do the work that was before him. Saul saw there was this need for heavy armor. And in the verses before this, it tells us that it was 5,000 shekels. It was weighted. David knew that all he needed to do was tap into the training and tap into his natural gifts. The armor, well, David had not trained in it. And so he says, I haven't practiced fighting with this. I am not used to it. When we try to put on certain armors that maybe the world offers to us, it feels awkward. It can feel heavy. What if the way that we face our modern giants is just to remember what our natural gifts are, what our talents are, what we have already been through, the life that we have lived, and the way that God has pulled us and our community has pulled us along? Because it might seem best to fight Goliaths in our lives with worldly armor. Things like the latest technology, the current trend, what the people down the street are doing. Maybe we just need to get more people around us. Or maybe we just need to get a newer model of car or boat or a new body. And that armor, it feels heavy. It feels unnatural. It doesn't come from within who God made us to be, and we will not feel like ourselves. We will say to Saul, I'm not used to it. So David takes his staff, he takes his shepherd's bag, he takes his sling, he goes and grabs five smooth stones from the river, and he faces the giant. David didn't try to face the giant without armor, but it was not the armor that anyone expected that day. So the modern family has access to the best armor. It might seem almost too simple, what I'm about to tell you, but it is in no way simplistic. It is simple, but it is no way simplistic. Consider again the dinner table here. I think that one of the greatest pieces of armor that we as followers of Jesus and as modern families have is the plate of prayer. It's the foundation to your dinner table. It's the plate of prayer. If your family is like mine, we do not pray together enough. We might say grace, and sometimes we sing grace, but we do not pray together enough. Consider what Jesus said. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So last week we started an experiment. Maybe you weren't here. Um, if you weren't here, I want you to start this week. And what we're asking all of us to do is to gather around a table once a week with our family. If you live by yourself, I want you to FaceTime someone in your family and be with them around the table now, I know that not all people are comfortable praying out loud. I've got some of those in my own family. And for those that aren't, I just suggest a time of silent prayer together. 
If everyone at the table could share their rose or the good thing that's happened in their week, that could be an opportunity to pray, to give thanks. If people share their thorn, that's an opportunity for the people around the table to pray for one another's struggles. If praying for your spouse is not part of your life, that's okay. You can start now. Ask them at the dinner table, how can I pray for you this week? If praying for your children is not a regular thing, that's okay. Ask them at the dinner table, how can we pray for you this week? You see, there will always be giants. There's always going to be a Goliath on that field. Know this, each of us has been prepared. You have been uniquely gifted and talented. And that whole saying of God doesn't give you anything more than you can handle, I I think that's a bunch of malarkey. God doesn't give you anything that God can't handle. And God has prepared you to face your giant. And so we must take, like David did, David's life as a shepherd, a musician, and an armor bearer. Oh my gosh, it had prepared him. And the same is true for us. And so we have to courageously face our giants head on, remembering that we have been readied. Also realizing that there will be people that will not find it acceptable. There might even be brothers or, or positions of authority who will say, oh no, you're just. Oh no, you must. You are not alone in the battle. Your shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, goes right alongside with you. May it be so in my life and in yours. Let